Cue the song. Hello there, ladies and gents. Welcome to 1,000 Greatest Misses, the music podcast that shines a light on 1,000 undiscovered, obscure, and underappreciated songs that hit all the marks but failed to chart. On today's episode, we'll highlight songs by Alexis, Arroyo, Exit, Prism, and The Look. Find us at 1000greatestmisses.buzzsprout.com or your podcast app of choice. I'm Paul Hines along with Christopher Gray, the music-obsessed record store guy with way too many songs stuck in his head. What's shaking, Chris? When was the first time you heard the term power pop? Oh, not until 20 years ago, maybe. It wasn't something I grew up with, that's for sure. So I think I heard about it in the 90s. I think it kind of became like, oh, that's the kind of music I like. It's power pop, largely, I think, because of the Yellow Pills compilation record. I was pulling records for this show, and I came upon a record by a band called Wings uh, that came out in 1968. So this predates the McCartney Wings by about four years, I think. Yeah. And the publisher on the Wings record is listed as power pop music. And so it was the first time I'd seen the term power pop in print, certainly. And I'm pretty sure, by all accounts, Pete Townsend is credited for coining the term in 67. So 67, he says the the who is power pop. They have big chords, melodies that are catchy. And in 1968, Wings, this unknown band that I really wanted to pull a song from, but the record is way too folky, uh, uses power pop as their publishing company name. So power pop it is. The origins of some of these terms, I'm I'm definitely going to talk to you on a future episode about labels and genres and how they've evolved over the years and what we use today versus what we used when we were kids. It's interesting. Uh, But no, Power Pop was a fairly recent, uh, I was in a Power Pop band about mm, a decade ago, and I might not have even known what that was when I first joined them. I think it got a really bad rap because of the knack and the backlash that they had. And I think there were a lot of artists that were not happy being labeled as power pop, but now there's certainly a resurgence. There's certainly a respect that's due for those folks. And I think a lot of them now are okay with it. Uh, yeah. And and to me, being compared to the knack is high praise. So <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. There's a YouTube series called Talking About Vinyl from a guy named G.I. Sanders of NTX Vinyl. You might've watched some of those. He's out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he has a recent video called 10 vinyl LPs we don't stock because Amazon sucks. (laughs) And he goes through 10 popular albums. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced, uh, Pet Sounds, Beach Boys, and talks about how much he has to pay when he buys them from a distributor versus what Amazon sells them at. And the, the glaring one that he mentioned, they're all pretty amazing, but one is Prince's Purple Rain. It costs him $19. So he would try to sell that at you know, $25, 26 27 And you can buy it on Amazon for 17 Yeah, the margins on new vinyl have never been great, but it's never been as bad as it is right now in that respect. There is an app called Whatnot. Are you familiar with that one? I'm not. It's an online live auction app. So it takes, in theory, like imagine eBay with Facebook Live. So you've got auction items that you have available for sale. They're live auctions. They happen in like 10 or 20 or 30 second increments. And you're bidding with the other people that are on that that live stream with you for that particular record. 
So when that first started, it was a lot of rare records. It was a lot of hard to find, obscure stuff, and people were paying top dollar for it because they were actually able to see the record that they were buying. Cut to within a few months of that starting, there were a lot of people that were buying up tons and tons of overstock new vinyl and moving it out on that on that platform. And it started out and it was, you know, people were getting great deals, but nothing extraordinary. I was on a few days ago and a lot of new vinyl that we as a store would have to pay 16 or $17 for was selling for five. So wow. when you start to see people unloading like that, you start to see that the market's oversaturated with new vinyl anyway. And the outlook in that respect does not look great. So is it just schmucks like you and me selling or is it distributors who have too much stock on their hands? It's Either shills for distributors that have too much stock on hand. So eBay and, and Amazon have been um, accused of, of having that type of situation for a long time. Or it's people that are buying from a distributor in bulk, getting great pricing, and then now they're just stuck with this stuff. So they're blowing it out just to get some of their money back. Huh. And is it all? Is the website devoted to vinyl, or is it all sorts of things? Nope. You can do Pokemon cards or antiques. Uh, Whatnot itself sells just about anything, and you've got different notifications for when the shows are going to be airing that have your particular interest in them. Great! Another rabbit hole to uh, suck my money. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Just what we need. Well, Come this guy on. just meant, after watching that uh, that YouTube video. You know, I'm cognizant of trying to support new artists that I like. I recently bought an album by a gal named Margaret Glassby, who I liked. I'm less cognizant of supporting record store owners, and that's my shame. I got to redo things. Uh, I did buy some records on Amazon, but I will, I will refrain from that unless it's just a drastic change uh, in price. Yeah, it's hard to beat the effort or the lack thereof for Amazon, right? You place the order, it's at your door in a couple of days. I think that we're starting to see some artists, particularly most recently Butch Walker and his band Marvelous 3, they're taking it all upon themselves. They're releasing the records. They're having them pressed. They're doing the website. They're they've got they've you know asked somebody or or contracted somebody to do the distribution for that, and they're bypassing the label entirely. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what the margins are when you do that kind of thing. Um, Considerably greater. Yeah, I, I suspect there's an artist named Sammy Ray whose album I bought and. Look, it was really, really expensive. I'm, I'm not into buying new vinyl for that very reason. I probably paid 30 bucks for this thing, including shipping. Yeah. Not my not my jam, but I really want her to succeed. And I thought, oh, what the hell? It's great I hope to, she's making some money off of it. It's great to put money in the pocket of artists one way or another, whether we you know, are supporting them on their websites and buying merchandise or LPs or going to see them in, in concert. That's where, what puts the money in their pocket. Where do you want to kick things off for today's episode? Let's go to Denver, Colorado. This is a band called Alexis. The song is called Fly By Night. Probably the best, second best song called Fly By Night that I've ever heard. <laughs> Maybe yeah, the first don't best. Mess with, don't mess with my rush. No way. Uh, okay. All right. Here we go.
was Fly By Night by Alexis out of Denver from 77, the opening track from their only album, self-titled. I have to highlight the bass line on this song. I often listen to the songs that you send to me on my phone as I'm walking the dog. And if you listen to old recordings on your phone, very often the bass doesn't exist. They weren't mixing, of course, for the tiny speaker on a phone. The bass on this song came through crystal clear. They clearly boosted it around that 300 hertz range, I guess, that unknowingly that there was going to be phones in the future. And it sounds freaking great. Like this is a really good sounding bass tone and good sounding song in general. Yeah. Did you check that the producer was Ron Nevison? I didn't, but I don't know who that is. So so he engineered Quadrophenia for The Who, produced Bad Company, The Baby, Zeppelin, Ozzy, Survivor, UFO, all those bands. So that's why it sounds so good. He was at, early in his career at that point, but he was destined to make some pretty great records along the way. And they were a six-piece from Denver, formed in 74, signed to MCA in 76, and then this record comes out in 77. So when they were touring, when they were first starting out, they opened up for bands like Styx, and Foreigner, and UFO, and the Atlanta Rhythm Section. And this particular record has a little place in my heart, because when I was working at the printing company, we had a turntable set up, and I would invariably have like a stack of a few records at any given time. But for whatever reason, this stack of four records was around for a long time, and it was Piper's second record, Billy Squire's band, Piper, the Streets of Fire soundtrack, the first Survivor record, and this one. And I must have listened to these in that rotation for three weeks at one point. <laughs> yeah, it's a fine basic tune. It, it reminds me a bit of Head East, uh, Rush's first album, kind of this blues-based rock and roll, nothing fancy. Also nothing special, however. It, to me, it sounds like dozens of other bands, and they've got one of those one-word titles where they simply repeat Fly By Night four times. I wish they had done something more. But it's, a, it's an okay song. It's a very good recording. Yeah, the lack of consistency is what uh, was blamed for Alexis never being afforded the chance at a follow-up record. And while the record is pretty inconsistent, uh, uh, this tune always kind of stuck out for me. And kind of brings to mind, I was talking to one of the guys that was on that Cleveland trip, my friend Kevin. And he, he said he'd listened to the first handful of episodes of the podcast. And he said, uh, those hits, those songs were not hits for a reason meaning that right, a right. lot of them didn't have the true hit potential. And I'm going to challenge that just a little bit, not certainly for every song. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to vie for you know justification for every song that I pick. But I will say that hits became hits because they were played over and over again, and they became embedded in our memory. And it's been rare that I've ever heard a song one time and realized, oh, that has to be my new favorite song. It takes repetition. So radio played it more than once. You heard it. And while I'm not suggesting that you listen to these podcasts five times, although that would certainly help our numbers, you know, use that <laughs> rewind button, give this chance a song, you know, skip the muckety muck of us yucking it up and just listen to the songs again. And they may find a place in your soul once you've had a chance to hear them a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. And I get to listen to these songs oh, five or six times probably before we record. And by the sixth time, some of the ones I was not so sure about have sunk in and I like a lot. So it, it depends. Yeah, and for a lot of people, they don't want to work for the music, and I totally get that. I mean, we have conversations all the time about how do you find new music? How do you get turned on to things you haven't been, you hadn't heard of before? We're just one of the many, many uh, podcasts and people out there that are just trying to share new things with people that they may not have heard. And you never know. If you like bands like um, Angel or the other bands that I mentioned, I think that this could be right up your alley. Yeah. This is not streaming anywhere, though I did find it on YouTube. 
and vinyl will set you back about eight bucks if you can find it. Next, we go to Milwaukee from 81, and I'll be damned, another band, you know, that I hadn't heard, though I remember hearing the name Arroyo, but I have never heard this tune. This is their song, Caroline. released in 81 that was Arroyo with Caroline though they did put out a retrospective in 2014 and you can find this on Spotify now so I remember this band's name and I even had a few friends who lived in Brookfield on Arroyo Road I wonder if that's where it comes from I'm not sure but never heard it before it's a really good tune I like it so I've got some questions for you first of all and foremost is this Yacht Rock I, so I wrote down, it reminded me of Lonely Boy by Andrew Gold, to some extent. Um, a little bit more punch to this song. It's on the edge, I would say. On the cusp, if you will. And let's be clear, Yacht Rock is a newly identified term. No one was using that in 1981. Right, it was soft think, rock or radio yeah, rock. But I, I think if we played this at Bally Doyle's and Downers Grove, as we played last Saturday, this would go over well. I'm going to suggest that you do. I would love to hear you guys do this song. All right, second question. Did Milwaukee have a live music rag that people could go to to see who was playing where back in the 80s? In the 80s, I'm not sure. Eventually, there was the Shepherd Express. Okay. You know, I was not I was not the, the target audience for that type of uh, magazine and when I was 13 years old. I'm not sure. Okay. We had the Illinois Entertainer here in Chicago and the Reader, and so you would al- always see the ads for the bands that were playing at places like Metro and every other bar out there. So I wasn't sure if maybe you'd seen the the uh, name in one of those mags. Last question I have for you. Did you ever see a show on Amazon called Red Oaks? Yeah. Great song. Or, I mean, <laughs> great show. Yeah. So that's where I first heard this song. No way. I, I had to like do a lot of research to find it, but I first heard it on the show Red Oaks, uh, Red Oaks on Amazon. And if you haven't seen the show, it's set in the 80s at a fictional country club called Red Oaks. has a great soundtrack, including Rick Springfield, Yaz, Yes, Eddie Money, Television. 
Talking Heads, The Car, Steve Miller, and you can tell that the music supervisor is one of us. So, yeah. DeVoe Yates, if you are listening, drop me a dime, my man. We have things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it stars Paul Reiser and Richard Kind is in it and Jennifer Grey, and then some younger actors and actresses whose names I don't know, but who are, who are fun. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, this is a good song, the, a good piano intro, and you know, I'm a sucker for piano, that's what I do. Good solid lead guitar harmony line when it kicks in, catchy A section in B flat, and the syncopation reminded me of something. Uh, All us boys, a song by Toto, da 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 dunk 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 dunk. But it seems like there were there's another song out there that this reminds me of, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Okay, and they kind of use an instrumental hook as the chorus. They say "Oh Caroline," but then it's ba na 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 that that musical part yeah, is really the hook. Right. And you left out the most important character actor on Red Oaks, one lovely Gina Gershon. Yeah, so I don't know who that is, but it's I... Paul I mean, Reiser's wife. Uh, she was in a lot of... She's 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 cool. Okay. <laughs> my, my wife is literally standing right over there right now. So I might be turning a little red thinking about Gina Gershon. <laughs> yeah, she's she's uh, she's uh, one of my favorite actresses, Paul. <laughs> Excellent. You know the B section for this song when they go into it reminded me so much of the B section for uh, Bad Fingers, Baby Blue. Mm-hmm. Don't know why, but it, it, it's it's on the three minor chords, so maybe that's why. But it, to me, that's a really high compliment to be compared to Bad Finger. Uh, but I like that B section a lot. I wish I had known about this band back in '81. And the first four bars, for whatever reason, remind me of Eddie and the Cruisers, that soundtrack, the mm-hmm. Dark Side song. So, sure. yeah, 10 bucks, they'll find you this record uh, online. And it's also available on Spotify, as I mentioned. Next, we go to an unknown country or state with a band called Exit. I know nothing about these guys. I will be honest with you, this record I picked up at a record show. And it's a self-titled release on Way Out Records from 1988, super private press. Uh, This is Infatuation by Exit.
chance to show you Infatuation Infatuation That's my situation That was Infatuation by Exit, the opening track from their only album, self-titled. You know, we played a song from 77 that sounded terrific by Alexis. This one does sound more independent. It released 11 years later, and by comparison, the production isn't quite there. Yeah, super private press, uh, new wave, AOR, power pop. I don't, I don't know what you would even call this, but it's pretty damn catchy. Yeah, for sure. Good melodic guitar line in the intro. I particularly like the second part of the verse when he sings, well, it really doesn't matter. I hope it's all the same to you. I like that a lot. And the keyboardist is adding some really nice, unobtrusive parts throughout the song. I think the keyboards may be the standout part for me on this song. Yeah, I'd like to put it out there to the 1KGM faithful. If anybody knows anything about this band Exit, please let us know. Yeah, and not streaming, not on YouTube, no nothing. Uh, Perhaps we'll find out some more information by the next episode. This next one, however, oh yeah, I know a lot about these boys. So this is a band called Prism, and once again, they had a huge hit. They had a song called Don't Let Them Know that made it to 29 on the Billboard charts in the U.S., so I knew I couldn't use that song. But this one's cool, too, off of their album called Armageddon. This is You Walked Away Again. You had me on your side
their album Armageddon. That was Prism with You Walked Away from 79 out of Vancouver. How many times can this poor schlub get dissed? Quite a few. This is from their third album. They released many albums since then. They've been around a long time. Yeah, this one came out in 79, and this is the same year that the Screams record from our last episode came out. So they sound drastically different. And if you think about 79 was your favorite year in music, right? Yeah. So name a couple of the bands off, you don't mind, off the top of your head. You've got The Gambit. You've got the best Fleetwood Mac album, Tusk. The best Pink Floyd album, The Wall. You've got Off-Broadway, Ricky Lee Jones' debut record. You've got The Knack. You've got, uh, it just goes on, uh, Super Tramp's Breakfast in America. It goes on and on. And how unique are each one of those acts? They all sound so different. 2023, every song sounds exactly the same. Every song has the same 808 kick drum in it right now. (laughs) When I listen to stuff like this, it really makes me feel bad for the music, for the fans of music that are, that's being created now. It's just, it's not. Well, the, the songs that are getting radio play now are getting traction. There's plenty of great music today, but gosh, Correct. it's hard to find and it's Correct. very niche. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, it and, and very similar. I think that it's, there's never been a time where it's been more bandwagon jumping, just trying to create that same thing. And mm. we're, we, you know, AI is creating music now. There was just a song that was written by AI that was yep. done and, and, how long before everything literally is just so homogenized that it all sounds exactly the same? I love that in 79, you could have heard Fleetwood Mac and Pink Floyd and Ricky Lee Jones and The Knack all literally on FM radio and yeah. be exposed to all that instead of just that, just the dross that we are hearing now. It's it's rough. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it was a pretty great time. I like the song. It's AOR, right? It's, it's power pop-ish. It's definitely got some hooks to it. Uh, this is one of the very first songs that I recorded to CD from LP on my Marantz standalone CD burner. And I can't remember what year I got that, but I know I spent a crap load of money on it. And <laughs> like literally yeah, don't talk about that. six months later, you could record CDs up with your computer. I was like, oh, what the hell did I do? Um, <laughs> but if you like Stars or Angel, I think that this era of Prism is going to be right up your alley. It's two distinct sections. The verse is very mellow. Another one, five, flat, seven, four chord progression, but it's a five minor this time. But it's a big change between the verse and the chorus when they kick it in. And the chorus with that tightly packed high backup vocal uh, reminded me of a song like Fox on the Run by Sweet. Yeah, I can hear that too. It's in that same vein. Good guitar solo, nice breakdown. Uh, the weakest part of the tune is the repetitive lyric on the chorus. It's it's not that great of a line, and they they sing it over and over as if they had struck gold. Um, so I wish they had mixed that up. This one is available for streaming, as are many of the band's albums. If you like this band, you've got some digging to do online. Yeah, we love those Canadian bands. Uh, this one's available for about four bucks if you find it online. Now we go to the Motor City, Detroit, with a band called The Look. Yeah, so back in episode 17, I played a band called The Look. They were a UK band, and they were actually called The Look UK, and we had did the song Animal Charms. This right. was actually the record that I was looking for when I accidentally bought The Look UK's Animal Charms. This is We're Gonna Rock by The Look. Tell you the 
second track from their debut album, that was The Look, with We're Gonna Rock, from 1981 out of Detroit. They'd go on to release two more albums in 82 and 84. This sounded so familiar to me as if I'd heard it before, but I think that's probably pretty unlikely, no? Well, maybe not. So this came out in 1981 on independent record label Plastic Records, and it was released in Michigan, and they got some local radio airplay, which must have bled into Chicago, because that's where I heard it originally, was on the radio on the loop. So you okay, may have heard it on I the heard radio. I heard it in Milwaukee. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's just a Midwest thing, again, because they were popular in Michigan. Uh, but the liner notes are pretty funny. Um, they say on the actual record that they re-recorded all the songs on the record except for We're Gonna Rock, because the original demo of the song couldn't be matched from an energy perspective in the studio. And it's just a fun, hard rock tune. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a, a kiss tune. We're going to rock and roll all night. Just basic blues, fun party tune. It's anthemic. If you say so. <laughs> some really nice tight drumming on this one. I like the accenting of the triplets. Uh, it's some serious stuff going on. I, I don't know if it's easy or hard, but in my mind, it sounded pretty on target, like it was well done. Yeah, it's well played, well produced, especially for the fact that this was their demo. So the, the whole thing must have sounded pretty good uh, to yeah. begin with. And again, it's not they're not going to win any Peabody Awards with the lyrics, but it's a good time <laughs> song. Is that right, Peabody? Is that for writing of some oh, kind? Sure. Let's say it is. Hello, Mr. Peabody. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, but again, this is just one of those ones that's a, a cool tune. Crank it up, drop the top, have some have some fun. Now, on Spotify, it's under the name The Look, featuring Dave Edwards. Huh, I didn't know that. I'm not familiar with who Dave Edwards is. Well, I looked him up, and it didn't look like he had this large ovra of solo stuff, so I'm not sure why he's the featured artist on there. I'm guessing Dave Edwards is the one that uploaded it to Spotify and decided to add his name to it. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. (laughs) He who controls the mouse controls the pen. And with that, episode 31 is in the can. Next week, we'll feature songs by... So next week, we're going to have a suggestion by one of our listeners, Doug DeLuga. We're going to have songs by Astro Surf, The Indigos, Jeff Paris, The Thieves, and Fist. Yeah. For all you listeners out there, we'd love to hear from you. For comments, questions, and corrections, visit us on Facebook at 1000 Greatest Misses, on Twitter at 1000 underscore misses, or email us at 1000 Greatest Misses at gmail.com. Like us. Share us. We appreciate your support. Until next time, ladies and gents, that's the end of the show. I met a girl with a record collection. I showered her with love and affection. She turned me on to sounds I'd never heard.